With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's episode is presented by the HBO comedy Barry. NPR claims it's the best new comedy on television. Barry is a dark comedy about a depressed hitman. On his way to execute a hit on an aspiring actor, Barry follows his mark into an acting class and ends up finding an accepting community in a group of eager hopefuls within the L.A. theater scene. For your consideration, nominated for 13 Emmys, including Outstanding Comedy Series. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking with Yvonne Strahovski about her role in The Handmaid's Tale. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and I'm here with Yvonne Strahovski. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. First of all, congratulations on the Emmy nomination. Thank you. How does it feel? It feels great. I'm really excited. I I was uh, I was fast asleep when they made the announcements in the morning, and my husband had to shake me awake and show me show me the phone and what was on it. So I was yeah, I was really stoked. What does it mean to you? Uh, I think more than anything, it's kind of all the years of my career and and everything that I've invested in it sort of paying off in another way. Um, I mean, I've had so many rewarding things happen to me, but this is sort of, I mean, an amazing moment. And uh, yeah, it, it just kind of feels like things landed for me in, in the right way that morning so it's it's really nice it's nice to be part of the club <laughs> for the first time <laughs> welcome to the Emmy club thank you it was so wonderful to, too to see the whole cast get recognized they really went deep on Handmaid's Tale this time out yeah I was really thrilled I mean it's it's amazing to be nominated alongside Anne and Alexis and then to have everybody else be nominated too uh and Joe of course I was really happy to hear it uh Joe got the nomination too. He's been doing such amazing nuanced work and I've been watching him, you know, on set and on the television, you know, when I watch as a viewer. So it's uh, it's really exciting for everybody. Why do you think people responded so much to the show? Well, the show, I mean, gosh, we go, we go really deep and dark and it, I, I just think it speaks to people on so many levels. It did in season one and it continues to. Uh, we're so weirdly accidentally aligned still with current news affairs as you know as we were last year and it's kind of this weird phenomenon that happens with our show that I think adds to the whole appeal of it in a lot of ways but I mean in its own right it's so it's so inspiring and devastating and entertaining on so many levels for for different reasons for different people that you know it's 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 so great to be a part of and it's inspiring for me outside of what I do on the show but just as an audience member in my own right it is also moving and inspiring for me 
I know I've made way too many references to Gilead on my social media posts. (laughs) (laughs) But even that, I mean, even like to your point, the accidental stuff about, you know, the episode with mothers being separated from their kids was literally at the same time that that was dominating the headlines. Mm -hmm. It was astounding to me that it lined up that way. It's crazy. I mean, I guess someone asked Bruce Miller once, are you a clairvoyant? Because it kind of seems like he is. Yeah. I mean, especially because season two is off book. I mean, all of this is, you know, basically invented material. I mean, it's working on a sort of framework from the book, but it's pretty much all new. Yeah, it is. It's been an amazing ride. I'm so grateful that they really took a deep dive with Serena Joy this season and, um, and fleshed her out even more in a way that, in a way where I was given the opportunity to really access her vulnerability and get real raw and, you know, raw in, in, in all the crevices with her and, and break down that, um, that iciness that, that was first established really in season one. So it's, it's been such a tumultuous, but very rewarding ride. She's such a complicated character, which we really got to see in the second season. What were some of the challenges of playing her? Uh, this season, I think it was the fact that it was so up and down. You know, there was a lot of um, moments where I, you know, would do the, the Serena would do the right thing and have a redeeming moment, then go right back and and just be awful again. Which is the ride that the audience has gone on to this season. Um, so there were some specific moments, like the Canada episode. You know, why does why does Serena go back to Gilead? That was sort of probably one of the most challenging moments of justifying that and things like the the, the rape scene in Ten, um, things like letting letting Janine see her baby in the hospital. Which you know, see, season one Serena, I always say, would never allow something like that. But there was these amazing drop-ins this season of uh, things that were confronting to Serena that really broke her down. And it was due to this motherhood theme. And suddenly she really had to self-reflect on herself and what it meant to be a mother and in preparation for for her baby coming and what that was, how, how she was going to be as a mother and how she was going to look after this child. And ultimately, she did the best thing for that child, but ultimately she did the worst thing for herself, which was give up the one thing that she wanted this whole entire time. So mm-hmm. it was such a great sort of journey of up and down and up and down and to really sort of earn that moment in the end, you know, after all the impactful things that happened to Serena this season, like Eden's execution and um, losing her finger and the beating as well. Like there were so many pivotal moments that... I think, contribute to her making that decision in the very end. What do you think motivates her? Is it really, is it about motherhood? Is it about really believing in what she's doing? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, Motherhood, wanting the child, I think a lot of it is a selfish endeavor of blindly wanting the child no matter what, no matter at what cost uh, you know, because I, I know, and we see that. I mean, that's a, that's where a lot of Serena's brutality comes from. Is she's willing to go above and beyond at the expense of everybody, especially offered to get that child, and it's quite a selfish journey that she takes. 
until it's sort of in her face this season and it's and it's getting really real and then you know you see her start to see that you know maybe maybe the way that she's behaving isn't the best how do you explain then you know some of her inconsistencies to your point it's the up and down she'll do a good thing she'll do a bad thing whatever those good and bad things are is it just her living in the moment I think it's her living in the moment. I think it's like uh, the continuation of the pressure cooker that is Gilead and how Serena really doesn't have anybody except she kind of has offered. And I think that's probably her most, especially now after season two or during season two, that's her most intimate relationship in a lot of ways. I mean, forget about the commander. The, The demise of that relationship is really full on at this point, you know, after everything that he's done to her. But in a weird way, as much as she hates Alfred, Alfred is also a weird lifeline for her and someone that she can confide in. So given that, when Alfred bites back and is snarky or mean back to Serena in her own way, I think that's when Serena flips a lid and, and you know does something heinous, like hold her down during a rape. Um, because again, that selfishness comes in of, I want my baby, I want you out of the house. You're being snarky again, and it, it it comes down to being so enraged in that one moment, and um, and then circumstantially not being able to really have a release other than on the people around you, and what better person to do that with than than Alfred, who she's sort of closest to. Yeah, I mean, I think you know it's a little bit about power, and it's a little you know she has she's put herself in this situation where she doesn't have as much power as she thought she might have had going into this, and the only person she can exercise her power over is Alfred, and she's going to take advantage of that. Yeah, definitely. There's a a lot of power play going on. The power play between the two women is fascinating to me, how it constantly shifts, even though on paper Serena is more powerful. But I think, you know, Alfred certainly brings a lot to the table too. And, you know, it's funny because I was reading a lot about this, and it's, you know, someone was asking the question, is Serena villain or victim? And I don't know that you can put her in either box. I'm curious to get your answer. But I also think no one is that black and white. I mean, people just aren't that either one or the other. I don't think they are either, especially someone like Serena. I, I mean, she's clearly a villain for so many reasons, but she's also human. And that was the first thing that stuck out to me way back when I read the pilot and I hadn't read the book and I didn't know anything about her other than sort of what I had decided in my brain when I read for the role to begin with. You know, I... It was implied that something had happened with the previous handmaid. There was distrust there to begin with. And there's another woman moving in to reproduce with my husband. I mean, those were the basics. And those were the raw elements that sort of made me think, you know, that would drive anyone crazy on an emotional level. the, The misery and the anger that that would provoke is is very powerful so it, to me she was always very human and um you know even though she's in highly manipulative and has all this, all this stuff going on it's i mean it's so complicated there's there's just so many layers to her um and it's been really nice to bounce off of bruce miller it always is you know whenever whenever something goes down the road of oh my gosh how are we going to do this on the day? You know, I, I always end up having a conversation with Bruce Miller about the intricacies of the scene and, you know, because it's so important for us to sort of really sit in a certain space with each scene and 
sit in that. I mean, they're awkward. They're they're uncomfortable. They're um, it's not black and white. It's it's like you said. It's n- neither villain nor victim. It, it, you know, it, she's characters playing out their their survival in a lot of ways with each other. What are those conversations with Bruce like? Was there a moment that you thought I don't understand this, or I can get through this, and he helped you get through it? Uh, the, the, the biggest one, I think there's been a couple, uh, but only because it's, it's just sort of like a, uh, a fine line of a transition this season into Serena sort of having those moments where she does relent and, and lets Janine see her baby, uh, things like that, where, it really is a fine line because you do, you do know Serena, the character, to be someone who would just outright say no, absolutely not, end of story, period. Um, so it do, I, I, it does require some finessing, I think, you know, and discussion and, and being on camera with something like that. Um, I think the biggest thing this, this year was there was a scene in the last episode um, where uh, – Alfred comes in and shows Serena the Eden's Bible, and uh, originally it was it was quite harsh. Serena's reaction was quite—I I always say season one Serena, like you know, original Serena. <laughs> well, season one um, two was very different than season two Serena. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it was—I uh, just—I felt like it was the first time in the in the two years that I really felt like I just couldn't actually say this one particular sentence because it it felt too harsh. It would. You know, it was it was something that in season one, it would have easily come out of my mouth. But in season two, after having seen Eden's execution and reacting to it in that way and everything that had led up to that moment no, and knowing that we were leading up to the moment of, of the goodbye with the baby. Uh, I don't know. I just we had a long it was like a week long sort of on and off discussion, you know, what was Bruce the line and um, with Mike Barker? It was. It, I mean, it ended up being, when I say Eden, she wasn't smart enough, which is something that I felt was something that Serena would say in terms of, you know, here's a girl who's breaking the rules. If that were me, manipulative Serena, I would be smart about it and I would talk my way out of it and figure it out. But I guess the the, the lesson learned is is that Eden is doing it out of integrity and Serena learns that in the end. I mean, she gets her own pinky cut off. She pays a, a price as well for, for having a level of integrity that we haven't seen before. Um, but originally I think the line was, um, I can't remember exactly, but it was just, it was, it was a little more like, Oh, well she deserved it kind of, you know, like she sinned and this was her, uh, punishment kind of thing, you know? What are so obviously the finale had some big moments for Serena. What are going to be the ramifications going forward into season three? Going into season three mm. after something like that. Yes. <laughs> what oh. season? What is, how is season three different? Serena different than season two and season one? Serena. Oh boy, I uh, that's that's a tough subject. Uh, I d- <laughs> uh, in the sense I- of you don't want to reveal spoilers, or that you just it's hard to talk about. Well, that I yeah I, I can't reveal spoilers. I did. I do know a lot of the spoilers because I spoke to Bruce last week about them. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, it's so hard for me to talk about it. I guess I will say that, you know, it's easy now to speculate where things might go. And I feel like a lot of people, 
you know, they say the same thing to me, like, oh, you know, she's either going to, you know, join a resistance and be some undercover spy or whatever, or, um, or she's going to go the opposite way and be even more devoted to Gilead. But what, what I love about the writing team and Bruce is that it's never that, it's never that black and white. Yeah. It's never that black and white and they've never taken that road. And I don't think they ever will in terms of, you know, whichever side they touch on or whichever middle ground they cover in between those two polar opposites, it's just not really going to be what you quite expect, I feel like. Because there were so many surprises this season. Absolutely. Let's just talk about them one by one. Like, let's talk about the marriage. You made it seem like that, that her relationship with the commander is done. I mean, can this? I mean, the, the old joke: Can this marriage be saved? Can it really? Or are oh, they completely done with each other? I don't know. I mean, this is. I mean, I'm sort of talking from the point of view of Serena, where it's really taken a huge toll. I think there was a, you know, the the, the turning point was the beating scene because y- how do you a your husband has just done this to you, but b on a on an integrity level, this is the person that you went in on this with. This is the person that you agreed to run Gilead with according to a certain set of rules that you were going to live by. And that primarily was about children. And in that moment, he turns his back on a very sick child in a way that Serena was unable to because Serena did break the rules and he chose his power over that. And I think that's what makes it even sadder that moment, you know, in the aftermath of the beating is that she's actually really realized that she's lost a really big connection to him just in terms of their combined values and what they originally were in on it for. So from that point, it, you know, it was kind of a, a downhill, a very fast downhill track. So I don't know if that relationship is redeemable. It would be interesting if it was, but in the same way, I don't I didn't know if Serena was redeemable after something like the rape scene. Right. You know, so many people had had, "Oh my gosh, I feel sorry for Serena moments before that with the beating and whatever else happened, you know, the love-hate thing, and then the big rape scene happened." So, you know, I remember thinking knowing what what I was going to do at the end with the baby. Will anybody have sympathy for Serena in that moment? Because is, is it redeemable, you know, after something so heinous? So she puts the baby first, but then it turns out that um, Offred makes a different decision than Serena might have anticipated. How is she going to react to that? I can't imagine that going down very well. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't think Serena's going to be like, great, well done. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, the baby, I mean, who else does she trust with that baby? There's no one else who is going to protect that baby in, you know, in the way that off, that she knows Alfred would. She knows this as a mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, yeah, that's not going to go down well, I don't think. <laughs> It, you know, it was interesting to me not to talk about another character, but I thought it was such an interesting decision that Alfred made in that moment, you know, choosing... I mean, it's, it's, an impo- it's a Sophie's choice, choosing one child over another. I know. It really is a Sophie's choice. There was, like, t- a few Sophie's choice moments in that. In that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't think of it that way, but it's, it's absolutely. I mean, you know, and maybe, I mean, I don't know what motivated her, but maybe it was the experience of spending more time with the child, you know, Hannah, and seeing how much Hannah needed her. But we'll see what, what we'll see what's in store. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Are there things that you want to see in the third season? Um, I mean, there's things that I've I've really enjoyed about the second season, like like the the breakdown of of Serena. You know, this this breakdown of her walls and what you know her masks and her protections. So I I would you know love to keep diving into that or, or or another avenue of that that's that's something that i thoroughly enjoy you know for my part and what i get to do on the show um but story-wise i really uh i leave that up to the very creative and talented writers <laughs> they know what's up how dark do you think the show can get i mean how deep can it explore Gosh, I mean, when you just when you think it's gone as dark as it can, it, they seem to go darker. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty bad. I um, there's a lot of people, even like some of my friends, who just have to stop watching it and not and not carry on for a while or take a break. Um, I know a lot of people would say back to that, you know, this stuff is happening all over the world. Like, get yourself get yourself together and you know, face it. But at the same time, I have—I uh, mean, I have sympathy for how affected people are by the show. It is incredibly confronting material, and mm-hmm. some people have personally have some kind of firsthand experience with some of the things that we're exploring on the show. So I think that can be incredibly confronting for people to watch. We've seen a lot of Serena's backstory, but is there a piece of her past that you still want to explore or you want to learn more about? I've always said I would love to find out what her, you know, her parents were like and her children, is, and sorry, tr- Serena's childhood. Um, that would be really fascinating to me to kind of see what shaped her from that point of view. Uh, and also sort of the, the intricacies of the creation of Gilead, like the, the vital decisions like... Um, like how the ceremony was created and constructed and did, you know, did someone else pitch it? Did she have a say? Did she fight back at one point? Did she try to change it? You know, all those kinds of things of how Gilead was going to be set up or, or you know, when when was the decision made that um, that women were no longer going to read and write and have access to books and was you know what what did that scenario look like in in that space so yeah and what was that scenario look like for her because she was such an architect of it I mean she was out there in passion talking about it and then suddenly she finds herself in this role with limited power and limited authority yeah I mean I think we touched on it way back in that scene in that first season where she's meant to do a speech it's a flashback episode Mm -hmm. and she's meant to go and speak and and she gets told no so I mean we get a hint of how that might have gone down, but I I don't know that I don't know that Serena would have gone for that exact setup. You know, I I don't know I don't know that she would have agreed to you know if she had a say that oh sure we'll all give up you know books and reading and writing considering that she was an author herself and the spokeswoman so. I don't know, but it, it, I do see how her, 
faith in the cause and her faith as in her religious faith swallows that up and and takes it on board and sort of she you know she goes forward with well this is my sacrifice for the greater good which i think is what ultimately she she does do and that's a that's a lot of um why she also does other things that are horrible is that well it's for the greater good and this generation will be the first generation to know the before and the after but you know this is a sacrifice for the next generation who won't know and we're gonna we're gonna do this given all the horrible things that she does do you worry about making her relatable or likable that classic network note or do you just keep the eye focused on the finish line no, I really, there was something I really uh, worried, well, not worried, I just sort of, it was a primary focus for me in the first season, especially when I was sort of setting her up. But but again, like, for me, the initial thing that stood out for me was her humanity. And so it's, some, in a way, it's sort of something that's come somewhat naturally to me. But what makes it hard is is when the scenes are so brutal and so awful and then coming back from that and and finding those those nuances of of vulnerability and the moments where she is doing something that's redeemable it's it's you know it's a fine line it's such a it's such a balance so yeah i love but i love that that challenge you know it also feels really icky to be <laughs> the one <laughs> justifying all her actions because, you know, I, I sit back along with the audiences and I despise her and mm-hmm. what she does as well as feel sorry for her, you know, in certain moments. But, you know, when you have to let your judgment go and kind of figure out, oh, I totally understand Serena and I, which I do, like there's this, there is a, a huge, massive part of me that unlike anybody else completely understands her and why she does what she does. I have to. You have to because you have to play her. You exactly. have to make it real. And if you didn't understand her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I always feel like I need to have a shower after I think about <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't blame you. Cleanse myself. It's hard. I mean, sometimes I watch the show and I actually have to pause it because I can't almost inter- like take in what just happened. Like, you know, I have to stop and let it sort of wash over me before I can continue watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have that experience when I read the scripts because it's hot for us. I mean, I, I don't know what the others, uh, other actors feel like, but it's, uh, we already know what's going on. And so it's, uh, it's the impact moment. I think that all the audiences are, are having while they're watching it for us happen when we read it mm-hmm. or when I sit down with Bruce and he tells me what the whole season three is going to look like. And I go, Oh, okay. <laughs> Does it help you to play it knowing where the end point is? It does, for sure. It was hugely important for me to know where this season was going to end up, hugely, because I think because you can't just you can't just whip that out at the last minute. You really have to earn it. There has to be a demise. There has to be a breakdown. There has to be moments that affect you in a certain way. Um, things have to change along the way and turn and come back, and then you have to fight against yourself. And then you know it's all of that. So. I, it was vital, I think, for me to understand that that end game. Do you think it would have played out differently? I guess this is an obvious question. If the baby were a boy, mm, that's a good question. You know, I 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it would have been maybe less impactful, but I, I feel like probably the the same. Oh, I don't know. I mean, the reason I said no was because I thought of um, the commander that we all conspired against as a household to get taken right. away, and you know, and the, it just shows that really nobody is safe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, from that point of view, really nobody is safe, and and the storyline could have been constructed around that in the same way that it was around the the women like Eden and everybody who who paid a price. But then but then you could have gone the other way with a storyline like that and made it, you know, Serena kind of creates her very manipulative young man, her child to survive in the world. But I think that's what she was planning to do with her daughter as well. I really think that she wanted her little mini me mm-hmm. and someone who she could really teach how to navigate in a in a manipulative way because you have to in Gilead everyone manipulates for their own survival I really think that she thought she could win that and do that but now she only has nine fingers (laughs) (laughs) that I mean when that moment Uh, happened I I didn't know what the reveal was going to be and I literally had my hands over my eyes oh what do you think it was going to be I don't know what I was expecting hands off topped off I don't know. It I was mean, like, it's a it huge was, commitment. Yeah. That's a lot of prosthetics for me every morning. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no piano playing scenes coming up? Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's so brutal. It's very brutal. One of the other things I loved about the finale was we, you know, we'd sort of been underestimating the Marthas all along. I mean, mm. We sort of didn't know what they were up to, and then we sort of get this big revelation about them. Mm-hmm. Is that something we're going to see more of next season? I don't know. I hope so because I really, I personally enjoyed seeing Rita come out of her shell a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. she's always sort of in the peripherals right there. And then suddenly she had such, she had this, so many little like great moments. Um, There was that beautiful scene between her and Alfred. um, The, when, when Alfred is sort of asking her to be somewhat of a godmother and protect the child. And they had this beautiful moment. So it was really nice to see, Rita come out of her shell and and show her true colors. Uh, it was such an interesting kind of little tidbit. So I, I don't know. I hope they I hope they carry on with that and or or, or you know go down a different avenue in the, in the same vein. You know. And so leave me with one word to describe season three. <laughs> Unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> That's so boring. <laughs> I should say something like, I don't know, mushy or like something really abstract. Can't think of it in the moment. But I'll take unexpected. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking with the legendary Carol Burnett. And if you like the show, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know, too, who you want to hear from. What stars and producers should we invite on the show? Email us at podcast at variety.com. See you next time. This week's episode is presented by the HBO series Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. The AV Club declares it deeply funny. John Oliver satirically covers the week in news, politics, and current events. 
Last Week Tonight provides a unique platform for John Oliver's singular perspective and distinct voice on any number of social, political, and existential issues. For your consideration, nominated for nine Emmys, including Outstanding Variety Talk Series. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.